Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to the very end of the year. We have made it through uh, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, uh, and now we are standing on the precipice looking towards the new year. We've almost made it through the holiday season. Stressful, stressful holiday season. I hope everyone has survived all right so far. Take a breath. Yeah. It's a tough time of year. And and I'm not just saying tough because if I hear uh, Felice Navidad <laughs> in one more store, I might have an issue. But because they are physically, physiologically stressful. Yeah, there was an article, for instance, in the journal Hospital Practice that equated Christmas and New Year's in people's minds with stressors like blizzards, experiencing earthquakes, the threat of violence and job strain. What is going on? I don't know. What's happening? Well, first of all, there is the issue of just the season. It's winter. Mm-hmm. It gets darker sooner. I know I don't see sunlight nearly as much as I would like to. And it's cold. And so the Surgeon General actually issued a holiday stress management warning focusing on seasonal effectiveness disorder or SAD, SAD. which affects around 10 percent of the population. Yeah, you're spending a lot of money. You're not sleeping well. You might feel lonely in this all this lack of daylight. And, you know, you might actually have some physical responses to all of this holiday uncheer. There's something called the holiday heart syndrome. It's cardiac abnormalities caused by drinking more than usual. So even in your celebrations this holiday, you could be causing yourself some physical stress. Although we do have one bit of debunking to do. Um, it's often thought that because of all of these different holiday factors and possible loneliness, family stress, gift buying madness, that rates of depression go up. We hear that a lot. Um, but a 2006 New York Times article by Anahad O'Connor examined that claim and debunked it. Um, he maintained that psychiatric visits actually dip during December and a Mayo Clinic study spanning 35 years found no correlation between the holidays and suicide. Well, that's good. That is good. But I just wonder if the dip in psychiatric visits isn't just because people are not taking care of themselves during the holidays. Yeah, it could very well be that. It could also be the hectic holiday schedule mm-hmm. as well, because that was the only bright spot in all of the medical literature in regard to the holidays. Yeah, not just medical literature, like personal, psychological, emotional literature, too. Yeah, which is why we're going to focus today on whether the holidays are not so healthy for relationships. Because, Caroline, I learned a new term, Mm -hmm. and it's called the turkey drop. That sounds fun. Is that a game? It is. Well, to some people, it might be a game (laughs) because it denotes this period from Thanksgiving to right before Christmas when more breakups happen than any other time of the year. Oof. I hope we're not hitting too close to home for some listeners. Well, if we are hitting close to home, though, at least take heart, if you are a brokenhearted listener, that you are not alone at all. Right, exactly. You're definitely not. Um, and the reason we know this, there's been quite a discussion that was stirred after an infographic was posted on the Internet 
few years back. It was created by Lee Byron and David McCandless of Information is Beautiful. Um, they wrote the book, The Visual Miscellaneum, and they plotted Facebook relationship status data across a timeline and found some peak breakup times, people. One right before spring break called the spring clean and one two weeks before Christmas. Yeah, to get specific about it, the first Monday in December is the most common day to break up. So, hey, we've made it through. That period. Yeah. We, we got we got through that. Um, and the way that they gathered this data, they weren't just like looking at their friends' Facebook statuses, but they actually searched for the frequency of breakup and broken up in Facebook statuses using a Facebook data gathering tool that is no longer in existence, unfortunately, but allowed you to to search a broad range of uh, Facebook profiles. And they also set up a program that logged the dates of changes in relationship statuses mm. onto a calendar. Yeah. And McCandless said, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a study. He was saying that it's not the intention to claim that anything is definitely true. It's just an interesting pattern that happens. And Byron seconded that and said it's, it's more of a, a curious exploration. Yeah, but the thing is, even though McCandless and Byron are clearly trying to pump the brakes on Mm -hmm. everyone trying to make this collection of Facebook statuses into something more scientific than it really is, the attention that it got across news and media outlets was incredible because maybe it was simply a confirmation of an anecdotal turkey drop pattern that we had experienced or mm-hmm. sensed um, because it, it clearly hit a nerve if you just look at all of the stories talking about it. But on a bright side, Christmas Day, guess what, folks? That is the least likely day that you will get dumped because seriously, if you are with someone who breaks up with you on Christmas Day, that who something is either horribly wrong and that yeah. relationship needs to end or that also that relationship needs to end because that person doesn't have a heart. Yeah, that sounds like a mega fight happen. Yeah. Um, but side note, speaking of cruelty, the most the third most popular, excuse me, breakup day on Facebook is apparently April Fool's Day. Oh, come on now. Which is uh not funny. And for one more bit of social media data, Lee Byron and David McCandless also looked at reasons for breaking up that people tweeted about. And the holidays weren't cited. It's not that people say, Christmas is here, (laughs) get out. (laughs) But it was more that the holidays are are probably bringing relationship stew pots to a feverish boil. Right. Byron said, you know, this is a time for end-of-the-year reflections, and maybe as you're packing your overnight bag to spend a couple hours with your family, you start thinking about, does this person fit in with my family? Would they like him or her? Maybe you just start to feel that that kind of seasonal affective disorder kind of settling into your bones and you're just you're, you just want to hole up by yourself and you just don't want to date anyone anymore. You might not. Yeah. And one thing that comes up a lot, too, when psychologists talk about why the holidays are particularly stressful for, for relationships is this idealized image that we have of the perfect holiday romance 
this is the time when we're supposed to fall in love under snowflakes. Right. And, and the soft light of a menorah. We're supposed to be running down the street in our tennis shoes and underwear as Colin Firth opens his big fluffy coat to catch us. Yeah. That's what's supposed to happen. Bridget Jones's diary reference. Right. right for right. the uninitiated. <laughs> um, but there was a 2012 study actually published in the Journal of Consumer Research, which found that in this cold weather that we are in right now, or at least for those of us in cold climates, Australian and New Zealand listeners, you're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? But uh, in cold weather, people are more likely to watch romantic movies. And read romance novels. Yeah. Um, and Andrea Bonnier, who is a licensed clinical psychologist who was commenting on this study to Northwestern, talked about how feeling cold often makes us want to affiliate. It's very much a brain-body connection at work. Yeah, we want to snuggle. Yeah. We want to snuggle up with somebody. I know my soup consumption <laughs> and my pho consumption in particular has gone up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Pho. Oh, every day if I could. The sodium level. I'd have to worry about that a little. Yeah, I wear a lot more fluffy socks. Yeah. People want to cuddle. I bought myself moccasin slippers just to get through it. Just to eat my soup in. Well, not while wear while I'm eating my soup, not, not to eat my soup out of. <laughs> right. That is some that is some fluffy, fluffy soup. Um But so we've got all these things. We're watching romantic movies. We want to cuddle up with somebody. We we're expecting this idealized version of the holidays. But meanwhile, the real world is a little different. We have all of these landmines we have to get around. Things like gift giving. How much do you spend? What if you buy a nice gift and your partner buys something really cruddy? The the family visits, the first time meetings, and, and will your family judge the person? You also have to worry about going to holiday parties. Do you bring the person? Will you have to explain who this person is? Will you have to be forced to define your relationship in front of coworkers? Yeah, it's challenging if you are relatively new to a relationship because... It's the time when things get real, where all of a sudden you have these obligations and you need to decide whether or not you're going to do it as an individual or as a couple. So that can be challenging to get through. But also, if you've been in a relationship for a while, the expectations are still high because of things like this being the number one season for engagements and all of those family pressures, maybe going home mm-hmm. with a boyfriend, girlfriend and getting questions from family about, oh, when are you going to get married? Or if you're married, when are you going to have a baby? All of these things. Yes. Yeah. I know Thanksgiving, my boyfriend spent it with his family and I was with my family. And uh, one of my mother's friends, who I don't even know very well, was at Thanksgiving and she was asking when I was going to get married so that. They could all throw us a big party. And I just gave her this like wide eyed, just kind of dead eyed stare and and kind of laughed nervously and walked away. You refilled your wine glass. Yeah. I'm like, let me get another thing of turkey and some more wine. Holidays can be stressful. (laughs) Holidays can be stressful. Um, And all of those real world stressors are often in direct contrast to what we are seeing in these holiday movies that we love so much during this cold weather, because there are just so many unrealistic expectations that are established. That comes up again and again and again in these conversations about holiday stress, whether it's the expectations of an amazing gift or the perfect 
gift, the the perfect holiday happiness, the true lovey-doveyness that you should all be experiencing. And talking to ABC News about this, Dr. Dory Lynn, who is a psychologist, says that the holidays evoke incredibly high stress and depression. And the reason that this happens is that we have the media myth that this is supposed to be a happy, wonderful, and joyous time. Yeah, and echoing that, Pepper Schwartz, who's a sociologist, told NBC News that when people start to internalize all of these ideal images of romance and family, they can begin to wonder if their own real-life relationships match up. You know, problems in your own life that you might not have even thought about too much, all of a sudden when it's the holidays, you think, oh, but I feel so alone. Exactly. And the issue of the the family holiday visits, no offense if any of my family members are listening, I love you all dearly, but having to interact with the family can refocus things in not always the most positive way. Because, yeah, you have incidents like maybe some well-meaning grandmothers or whomever asking for timelines about your romantic future or just having to deal with seeing maybe not so pleasant dynamics between family members and seeing also how significant others interact with their families that shines a new light on that part of them as well. Yeah, I mean, those could be positive things. I mean, going, you know, if you go to your boyfriend's house for Christmas and you see how wonderfully he fits in uh, with everyone and and you just get all these warm, fuzzy feelings like it's it's good to see someone in a new positive light. I mean, yes, that can go horribly awry if the grandmother then turns to you and says, like, you know, when are you going to have babies and when are you going to lose 20 pounds? Because, you know, old people. Oh, oh, grandma. <laughs> Grandma's getting a lot of flack in this episode. She is. Also, it's not just the inter-family dynamics that can clash, but for couples, too, who might come from different regions, countries, cultures, those holiday traditions can clash as well. Yeah, especially like if, if you know, one family celebrates Christmas and the other doesn't, or one makes a huge deal out of it and the other doesn't, you know? Like, what if what if you do a tacky sweater party with your family every year and your boyfriend's family thinks that's ridiculous? Like, there can be some well, tension. Well, sounds like your boyfriend's family needs to lighten up <laughs> a little bit. I'll say that. I would just like to point out that I'm not speaking directly about my boyfriend's family. Um, but speaking to NBC News about this, UCLA psychology professor Andrew Christensen, who studies intimate relationships, said that, quote, family is a likely culprit in holiday breakups. I totally get this one, you know, because our family's views of our partners can definitely have a major impact. I mean, I know... <laughs> I know from personal experience, and this doesn't have much to do with the holidays, but like in years past, if I would tell my mother about somebody I was dating and I would get a certain facial expression, she would never even meet the person. But I would be like, ah, yeah, it puts a little it casts a little doubt in your brain. And I, on the flip side of that, have experienced a past boyfriend not interacting very kindly with his mother, which to me was a major red flag that that kind of behavior would probably trickle down to me at some point. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I guess if if you're worried about the future of your relationship, people, maybe put off taking your partner home for the holidays. (laughs) But here's the thing, though. For everyone who's not in a relationship who is listening, listen, I've been through the holidays single. Caroline, you've been through the holidays Mm -hmm. single. And it can get weird even if you are not 
quote unquote attached because you can still get the same kind of pressure to get married and have babies and lose weight or whatever it might be, no matter what your relationship status is. Yeah, and and a lot of women in China are not standing for that family pressure anymore. Oh yeah, there is this issue uh, that Time reported on, where uh, Chinese quote unquote leftover women are renting boyfriends for between eighty two and thirteen hundred dollars per day, so their families won't worry. Yeah, I mean it's like th- that right there. I think there is a rom com about that, most likely called The Wedding Date. Yeah, yeah starring Grace from Will and Grace. Wait, she- really? Yeah. Where oh. she, well, she rents a, a wedding date. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, but well. of course they fall in love. Spoiler. They have to. I, I didn't mean, even have to see the whole movie to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, good figure. Um, but then, I mean, then you have the, the sticky, messy, awful, possibly dangerous issue of running into an ex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you come from a smaller town, mm-hmm. like I do, inevitably, when everyone comes home for the holidays, you're probably going to see somebody, and especially because it's the holidays, you're probably going to see someone when maybe you've had a spiked cider or two, <laughs> and it can rekindle those old nostalgic feelings because the holidays are also a very nostalgic time, kind of the same way when it's cold, we gravitate towards romantic, snuggly, fa <laughs> types of things. We might also gravitate toward the familiar, a familiar face who's made us feel warm and snuggly in the past. Right. But I mean, warning, you know, just (laughs) if you're going to take that leap with an ex, you know, be sure that you're both on the same page. I mean, there's always the danger that one of you will feel a little bit better about the experience than the other and want to take it farther or get back together or something and the other won't. And also public service announcement. Mm -hmm. Sexually transmitted diseases also spike during the holidays probably in large part because of the higher rates of consumption of alcohol and holiday hookups, probably fueled by said alcohol. So, folks, we're not against the holiday hookup, but just be safe. (laughs) Because it is also the season for mm, an STD. (laughs) I've never seen that on a Christmas card. There, well, people should put them on Christmas cards, and maybe the rates would go down. Yeah, put a condom in every Christmas card. There you go. Perfect. Okay, well, so, you know, we've just told you about what a minefield the holidays can be. You've got to worry about running into an ex. You've got to worry about getting dumped or breaking up with your significant other. You have to worry about family pressure and about all sorts of things. Or you don't have to worry at all, Caroline, mm-hmm. because... Maybe if we can maintain mindfulness that a lot of the stress that goes into the holidays might be fueled by these unrealistic expectations peddled by terrible movies and holiday greeting card commercials. Yeah, that could help. Some of those commercials do make my little Grinch heart grow three sizes. It's true. Yeah, I get, I get goosebumps. It's it's true. Uh, but seriously, though, r- maintaining realistic expectations, I think, especially for people in relationships, is a key to getting through this possibly stressful time. If there's a specific gift that you want, just tell your significant other. If there is a specific way that you feel the holidays should go, tell your significant other. And yeah. if there's a problem, y'all work it out. Really, the key is communication. Y'all work it out. Y'all work you it sh- out. You should be a, a life coach with that. And that could be your tagline. Y'all work it out. Do you think that could fit on a vanity license plate? <laughs> I'm sure. Just take the vowels out. It's fine. 
Um, and don't forget, you know, when you're visiting your family, try to steer clear of controversial, controversial topics like politics, religion, all of that stuff and stay gracious. And if grandma starts to press about why you're not married or why you're single or why you're dating a bartender, just look at her and say, why do you ask? Hmm. A good deflective question. I, I do find that my blank stare is very off-putting. Uh, my eyes just get real big and I just go dead behind them. Um, and people do tend to drop it. I, I find it works at work or at home with the family. Sounds like you should be a life coach, too. <laughs> my, my promotional materials would be horrifying. Um, but also, if you are single during this season or if you are recently single, too, Take heart because statistically, thanks to the turkey drop, there are more single people this year, this time of year. Um, and I know that's probably the least comforting thing that you can hear through your earbuds right now. Um, but it is true. I mean, there, there are a lot of single people. And personally speaking, though, I can tell you that having been through a number of holiday seasons solo, it's best to just, just bulldoze through it. Because it's a time off of work. Yeah. You eat some food. Mm-hmm. You drink some drinks probably at a holiday party. Try to have a good time and, and block out all of those love actually-esque messages about how everyone should be falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. I just hate love actually. Yeah. It's it's probably – and I, I get so much flack for it. Like nobody – I somebody somebody out there somewhere, please – Please hop on board with me here. Caroline, uh, side note, there was recently an article in The Atlantic that has been going viral. <laughs> well, I saw it. Yeah, about how Love Actually is the least romantic movie. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even argue for or against that uh, that statement, that stance. I would just say that it's a terribly made movie. What's a holiday movie that you do like? Home Alone. Oh, that's a good one. Number one, yeah. See, and that's great because it's not all about uh, falling in love. And and it does have some heartwarming parts of it. Uh, there, warning, there is a tarantula in the movie if you haven't seen it. I don't know why you wouldn't have seen it, but yeah. I saw, it's more of a Thanksgiving movie, mm-hmm. but I saw Planes, Trains, and Automobiles <laughs> for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it was a delight. It is a delight, although me being the neurotic traveler that I am, it stressed me out so much, although it is a lovely a lovely bromance between Steve Martin and John Candy. Yeah, a lovely, like, non-romantic, kind of friend-romantic yeah. film. Um, so, there, yeah, I think there are definitely ways to get through the holiday stress by treating ourselves right, trying to eat as well as we can, get some extra exercise if possible, get in the sun if at all possible, and just try to ride, ride that... Sorry. Uh, and um, and just trying to relax as much as possible. Yeah. Because it's just another holiday season and it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Let yourself have a piece of pie. Don't stress. Just enjoy it. Yeah. And by one piece of pie, I'm saying all of the pie. <laughs> Eat all of the pie. 2014 is a new year. That's right. So now, though, we want to hear from you. Do you have tactics, management tips for making the holidays 
go smoothly, especially for people out there who are not only dealing maybe with just singledom or being in a relationship with one person, but also having kids. How do you make all of those things work together at the same time and not lose your mind? Let us know. Momstuff at discovery.com. And by the way, happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays. We hope that it's going well so far. We're almost through it. Um, but let's take this moment to all commiserate in the, in the fact that it's not exactly the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> so email us. You can tweet us at Momstuff Podcast and you can find us on Facebook as well. Messages there. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you when we come right back from a quick break. And now back to our letters. Well, Caroline, I have some not so great news from Lisa in regard to our episode that we did on fashion a while ago. Because subject line, she said, your fashion episode made me feel fugly, sad face, and it gave me a sad face. She writes, because I typically love you two, let me start with what you got right. Thank you for acknowledging how many American women are plus size. You also totally understood the perils of both swimsuits and online shopping. Very thoughtful. And thank you for calling out retailers to carry more clothes. But here's where I have a problem. As a plus size woman, I do not give you permission to call me fat. I know the blogs were owning it and that the blogs were your subject, but fat is a word of terror and you can't throw it around casually. Just like other social or ethnic monikers, it is one thing for the possessor to say it and another for an outsider to say it. Fat is a word that taunted me, tortured me from age six, even when I was still a skinny tomboy. Fat kept me from trying too many new things or dating until college. I got a prestigious scholarship to a good university and later got accepted to a very, very good grad school. In both places, I spent much of my time worrying if I was too fat for people like me. I had an eating disorder by the time I was 17, but I felt I was too fat to admit it until I was 25. I sobbed over clothes that didn't fit and walked around with pneumonia for three months because I didn't want any more weight lectures from the student health doctor who barely knew me. And even now in my 30s, I can still hear every fat criticism ever overheard and every playground insult. I found the fat insensitivity especially disappointing because it came so closely after your Halloween costume episode in which you could not have been more culturally sensitive. I don't think you meant to be hurtful this time around, but I was hurt. And I just want to emphasize that uh, Lisa, absolutely we were not meaning to be hurtful. In and we were we were using the language that was out there by the bloggers, and we weren't calling you fat. We were trying to celebrate these bodies and this fashion, and it's a type of reclamation that has been going on. We, as podcasters who do a lot of research into the topics that we try to present in a very sensitive way, we want to present you with the language that these various social movements use. And so we by no means are attempting to ourselves co-opt any language that could be perceived as hurtful. And we certainly would never intentionally say anything hurtful to or about our listeners. Yeah, I mean, and when it comes to descriptors of female bodies, whether it's fat or it's skinny, they can both be wielded as insults. And I'm not saying that I I do not hear your concerns loud and clear, but I just want to emphasize for other listeners who may have felt like we were being insensitive as well, that we were sincerely celebrating this movement and this call for greater representation for women of 
all sizes. Absolutely. So thank you for writing in, though, Lisa. Okay, well, I have a letter here from Gloria. She is writing in in response to our Women in STEM series. Um, she says, after listening to your recent series on women in STEM, I wanted to share my own experience as someone who left science for PR. Ooh. Growing up, I was expected to do well in science and math at home and in school because I'm Asian. It wasn't that I did better in those subjects than English or history, was an honor in AP classes for all subjects throughout high school and had pretty much the same score on the SATs for both. But because I displayed aptitude for science, I was pushed toward a career in anything medicine-related. As a result, I started college majoring first in biochemistry, but eventually switched to microbiology, immunology, and molecular genetics. But please note, my family is really not that stereotypical. My mom boasts about not caring whether my second older sister took AP Calculus or Culinary Arts in high school. My third sister was encouraged to pursue music, And if she didn't have time to practice because she had math homework, my fourth sister would be given a calculator and told to complete it. But again, because all Asians are good at math, and so are my sisters, I was expected to be good as well. And since I'm good at math, I'm automatically good at science. Anyhow, while I was in college, I realized that I really didn't enjoy science and did not want to go into medicine at all. I loved all of my classes except my science classes, but my family encouraged me to stay in science because it offers more job stability once I graduate, which was half true once the recession hit. After getting my bachelor's in science, I went on to work in a diagnostic lab as a tech. While I was good at my job and the fact that I wasn't facing layoffs like most people in 2008, I still hated it. I was vastly different from people at work and just didn't have the personality for any job in science. To have something enjoyable to do, I started beauty blogging. I realized from there that I loved interacting with people and after a few years decided to quit my job, move across the country, and pursue a new career in beauty PR. I now absolutely love my job. I love working with the media, flexing my creative muscles, and being around like-minded people. Surprisingly, my science training kicks in quite often since beauty is rooted in science. Just the other week, I was looking up published scientific articles on circadian rhythm in order to craft a pitch about skincare. So thank you for sharing your science and not science and sort of science story with us, Gloria. And thanks to everybody who's written in. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can send us your letters. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast and you can follow us on Tumblr at StuffMomNeverToldYou.tumblr.com. Oh, yeah, and we're on Facebook. You can message us there. Like us while you're at it. You can also like our pictures on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. And you can also like our videos on the YouTubes. It's YouTube.com slash StuffMomNeverToldYou. And don't forget to subscribe. And happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays.